How can design help to revive forests that disappeared centuries ago from one of the world's driest countries, turning much of its land into desert? I'm Alice Rosthorn, co-founder of Design Emergency with Paolo Antonelli, and on this episode of our podcast, I'll be talking with the Jordanian architect and urban forester, Dima Asaf, about how she's addressing that challenge by transforming Jordan's arid land back into woodland. After studying architecture at the University of Jordan, Dima spent 10 years in architectural practice before focusing on regenerating urban ecosystems by cultivating native forests, and she founded the Tayan Research Studio to do so in Amman in 2018. Dima set herself a doughty challenge because man-made deforestation and the climate emergency has left Jordan with desert on 75% of its land and trees on just 1%. As the climate emergency escalates, this deadly combination will cause even greater ecological damage. Five years ago, Dima started to cultivate a forest on her first site, a small private plot of land. She and her colleagues are now planting their fifth forest, as well as compiling a database of native Jordanian trees and plants, harvesting seeds and running community workshops to encourage more people to help their efforts to revitalise Jordan's ecosystem. So Dima, welcome to Design Emergency. Thank you, Alice, for having me. Our pleasure. And having started out as an architect, what persuaded you to change your focus to nature? Um, Actually, I really enjoyed working in architecture. And as you said, I spent 10 years working on different architectural and urban projects. Um, Many were located uh, in culturally and environmentally sensitive locations, including World Heritage Sites, National Nature Reserves. And I love the creative process of exploring possibilities of seeing the unseen, visualizing and materializing ideas and visions. But despite our best efforts and intentions, we architects cause inevitable damage. We use stone from quarries. We build with high embodied energy materials like cement, steel and aluminum. We import supplies that traveled halfway around the world. And we excavate soil that took thousands of years to develop, affecting the native vegetation that peacefully coexisted for hundreds of years. And we think it's a necessary evil and that we can reduce these negative side effects with sustainable design solutions and green building design. Maybe, but I came to believe that the world needs many less structures and many more forests. And so how, in practical terms, did you set up a practice to address that? It was actually during a permaculture design course that uh, I became deeply invested in regenerative landscaping and native forest creation. Um, it started as a personal interest uh, in home gardening, home gardening, saving heirloom seeds, uh, but it developed into a change in career for me. Um, and it was actually uh, during one of the sessions where we were studying a 2,000-year-old food forest in Morocco, and I became instantly obsessed. Um, and, uh, you know, I just decided that this is what I want to do at the beginning as an architect, I found the space captivating, uh, the forest had a beautiful interior with high ceiling of green foliage, sleek tall pillars of palm trees, green walls of fruit trees surrounding a series of cool dark rooms with filtered light seeping in. And this living space was in fact man-made. It was designed. So I started Tayoun, it's a small research studio, and my research uh, on forest creation led me to Miwaki Forest, uh, developed by Japanese 
botanist Dr. Akira Miwaki, uh, which creates ultra-dense, highly biodiverse, multi-layered native forests in times faster than natural succession. Uh, for us in Jordan, um, you know, there was a challenge uh, talking about restoring the lost vegetation uh, and the lost forests. Uh, but, you know, the promise uh, to do so in just a few decades was beyond incredible. And I could not think of anything more urgent and meaningful. So I decided to move from architecture to urban rewilding and native forest creation. And it simply felt that, like the right thing to do. So Dima, when you began Thaian Studio, what did the practice look like? How many people were working with you? And how has it developed since then in terms of your core team and wider network of collaborators? When I started the uh, Tayu in 2018, um, I started that as a uh, solo adventure um, that was later joined by uh, different consultants for the different projects. Uh, we're a re- very small research studio. Uh, right now, it's just, uh, uh, you know, two consultants working full time. Um, and we have... Uh, different advisors and consultants and a wider network of partners that would join uh, for the different projects um, and that would cater to the unique needs of each uh, one of the projects that we work on. So we are a uh, boutique research studio, uh, but we hope to have a wider impact connecting with uh, different people uh, working um, as botanists, ecologists, urban designers and planners, and we see ourselves as the bridge that would connect these two worlds, uh, the uh, native ecologies and the man-made landscapes. Uh, we speak both languages and we hope to, to bridge this disconnect uh, through our work. And I assume that as you so clearly relish the sort of hands-on um, part of your research and, and, and your work, that you'd want to carry on operating with this kind of, of structure in future rather than simply running a large team of other people? Yes, definitely. Um, You know, for our work, um, we could expand uh, whenever a project uh, requires more involvement and a larger team. Um, But, uh, you know, when we look at, uh, you know, natural ecosystems, size matters. And, you know, once you uh, grow beyond a certain extent, you would be exceeding the carrying capacity of the ecosystem in a way. You know, we try through our work to uh, involve uh, volunteers and interns uh, who would hopefully in the future also join uh, some of these projects. Um, So it's about expanding this network organically um, and have people who are not only technically competent, but also passionate about what we do and who would be willing to commit long-term and be part of this transformation and, you know, be part of, um, you know, trying to uh, make this change um, uh, despite the different challenges that we might face uh, most of the time. Um, So again, it's, uh, you know, for us, uh, we would get energized from the work itself. You know, we enjoy uh, what we do and uh, uh, always discovering new things and uh, getting, you know, have this deep dive into the native ecology uh, at different parts of, uh, of Jordan. 
And you've said that Jordan historically has had extraordinary forests for thousands and thousands of, of years. So what happened to them? This was revealed during our research, uh, looking at research on paleobotany and geoarchaeology and analyzing fossil pollen from different sites. And uh, we discovered that land degradation has been uh, taking place in Jordan for thousands of years, starting around the Bronze Age, like 5,000 years ago. And it was with the, the expansion of agricultural activities and uh, the intersection of different civilizations, um, which, you know, for our region in the Levant, uh, this part of the world was considered their food basket for a long time. So that was on the expense of the native ecologies that used to be found. Uh, but definitely we had amazing forests. We had thick savannas with amazing biodiversity, Asiatic lions, elephants, rhinos roaming the landscapes of Jordan that are unfortunately transformed into a desert today. So having uh, established your, your practice and, and begun this new way of working with new objectives, what were the principal challenges that you faced in those early days and how did you overcome them? And what new skills and knowledge did you need to acquire to do that? We actually faced different challenges pioneering the method in new territories. Um, our pilot site was the first Miwaki forest in Jordan and the Arab region. And there was much skepticism um, if it would work in an arid climate as, you know, it's a setting that is quite different from the tropical and subtropical regions where the method was developed and mostly implemented. Um, I think the main challenges for us were probably the lack of research and documentation on native ecosystems in Jordan and having to establish our own database for native plants and forest ecology. Um, another challenge was the absence of the infrastructure needed for forest creation and soil building and the unavailability of native plants at local nurseries. So we basically had to cover these gaps ourselves and develop new skills and techniques to uh, establish what is needed for our work. So it sounds very exciting in retrospect. It must have really been profoundly difficult at the the time. Conversely, were there any aspects of your early work that turned out to be easier than you'd expected? Um, well, for us, definitely people's reaction to uh, the different interventions that uh, we've been working on. It's really heartwarming feeling people's sheer excitement about what we do and their offer to volunteer with us to harvest seeds and plant trees. It's always an unexpected, pleasant surprise and having them on board has been a major part of our work. Um, and, uh, you know, for us, it goes beyond forest creation. It's about reconnecting people to the land and its native species and reweaving them back into their lives and memories. And can you talk to us about the, the practical ways in, in which you planted the first forest and how your approach to planting forests has changed since then with the subsequent projects? Uh, we've started really small. The first pilot site is only 107 square metres. It's a backyard forest. Um, and uh, it's located within a private property, so... Uh, uh, it was basically, um, you know, working with the family and focusing on the technical part. Um, it was a small yet very exciting first step for us. 
Uh, we later had a series of collaborations with the municipality of Amman, testing the methodology in public sites and establishing microforests and urban lungs in disadvantaged areas of Amman. Um, aiming to improve the well-being of inhabitants and promote climate resilience and urban justice on a wider scale, these interventions uh, aim to transform urban leftover spaces into lush microforests of rich native biodiversity. Um, it's activating these, uh, uh, you know, what used to be a dead tissue into a living a green uh, tiny jungle. And the selected sites act as acupuncture interventions that would trigger the restoration of essential ecosystem functions in their localities. As the dense forests grow, they would help reduce pollution, regulate microclimates, support biodiversity, and improve people's health and well-being. Um, and it's also about reconnecting people uh, and having the local community um, get engaged and be part of planting the forest and recreating these newborn uh, public spaces. Um, but you know, for us, when we talk about the technical side of our work, uh, when we talk about the uh, research of native vegetation and soil engineering, um, it would be very uh, site-specific and we would follow a certain methodology to come up with the different decisions. But definitely the wider context um, and the uh, different objectives of the different projects uh, would differ. And uh, we're also working on uh, other projects that would include integration of native and productive ecosystems in Jordan. Um, we developed, we were part of developing a landscaping strategy for hyper-added climates in case A and also ecological uh, landscaping designs in the UAE. So it's quite different from where we started, um, but following the same principles and trying to tap into the genius of the native plants and the amazing uh, potential of native ecosystems. You explained how early on you realised that you would have to do an enormous amount of research into native species of plants and trees in Jordan in order to carry out your work so you began that process and also that each of the individual projects in terms of planting is site specific so could you give us a couple of examples of the planting schemes for those those projects um well for the first project we started in a western part of the city uh, where we would still have traces of the native vegetation and it was much easier relying on surveying the existing vegetation for that part. While um, most of the uh, other sites located east of Amman, uh, they are exactly at the edge of the Mediterranean belt, closer to the, um, or it's on the front of desertification. Um, so uh, there weren't uh, much traces of the native vegetation in that part of the city. And we had to rely on the body of research developed by uh, paleobotanists, analyzing charcoal remains from a nearby archaeological site. And we could actually read what the vegetation looked like 10,000 years ago. And we can see traces of the dense forests of oaks, wild pistachio that uh, used to be found in the uh, historical uh, downtown of Amman. So that was uh, one of the um, differences and definitely working in public sites has its own set of challenges. 
working with uh, local communities and uh, pioneering the implementation of a different model for urban landscaping that they are not familiar with, uh, with a much higher density. Um, so there were a mix of you know, excitement and skepticism. But once they see the uh, forest evolve, uh, they would get really excited about it and seeing the biodiversity that is attracted by these tiny forests from uh, fennec foxes, different bird species and insects. Um, it's really exciting to see how people would interact with these uh, small interventions. And could you tell us about how you set about compiling the database of native Jordanian trees and plants? For, for us, um, at the beginning, uh, we noticed that there's a gap. Um, you know, when we talk about uh, native ecosystems and uh, botanical studies, we could uh, sense that uh, we have to address and fill this gap ourselves. Um, and so we de developed our own database uh, and uh, we have been, uh, you know, accumulating the research and documentation that we hope to share in a future publication, uh, documenting uh, different details about the native species, their associations, plant sociology, um, and getting to know the different characters of the different species and their survival uh, mechanisms and strategies and really get to know them as sentient beings. Um, and we have been sharing uh, all of these different details uh, through our workshops and courses, trying to you know, bring people closer uh, to the native plants and not just see it as a layer of green, but to get introduced to their different characters and uh, yeah, interesting personalities. And your seed harvesting, how did this begin and how is that program developing? Well, we started seed harvesting in uh, 2019. Um, you know, at the beginning, it was really hard to source the needed seedlings for our pilot site. And we realized the urgent need for native seed collection and propagation. Um, so, yeah, starting 2019, um, harvesting seeds of native plants, researching propagation protocols, um, and growing the native and endangered species of Jordan. Um, it started as a grassroots effort in collaboration with our partner nursery. And each year, from summer to early winter, we would be roaming the landscapes of Jordan, collecting seeds of these habitat-savvy creatures that have been around for thousands or millions of years some of them, yet are highly affected today by land degradation and increased urbanization. And uh, we also started establishing uh, in-house seed production, planting mother trees uh, at the nursery, in addition to relying on the native species that are part of the urban forest that we have planted and harvesting seeds from those locations as well. And you've explained that a large part of your work is raising awareness among other people of the potential for rewilding and regreening Jordan. Um, so could you talk about the workshop programme that you developed in terms of tree planting, seed harvesting and boosting biodiversity? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, many people at the beginning, they expressed interest in our work and they were quite eager to participate in what we do and be part of this um, nature restoration initiative. 
Um, so we started organizing workshops, offering volunteer opportunities where people from all walks of life can join tree planting, seed harvesting, seed processing. Um, and we would arrange these workshops uh, at the nursery, um, different parts you know, for seed harvesting uh, landscapes around Jordan. And we would create these encounters for them to gradually recognize the native plants, the forms, their scents, and build local knowledge, excitement, and be part of the change that they hope to see. Um, and it, it has been really amazing to see the uh, how each year we would have more people, um, students uh, from universities, schools who would join um, and who would follow up with us uh, asking for uh, you know, more involvement. Uh, so uh, yeah, it, it, it's been really great and we hope that it would have um, an effect in the future where they would, uh, due to these uh, experiences hopefully make more sensible ecologically sensible solutions in the future you know, what, one example um, is having uh, school teachers join um, one of our sessions and this evolved into developing a uh, nature learning uh, experience and uh, curriculum for fourth graders uh, where you know, due to this experience with us, um, you know, and getting to know the native species, they wanted to share that with their students, and it evolved into, um, you know, having this program, um, you know, short-term program, where they would actually um, get introduced to plant ecology and get to know more about those plants uh, that are found uh, around them in the schoolyard. And have you had broader political support for your work, whether it's nationally or locally or institutionally? Uh, yes, uh, we have been working, as I mentioned, with the municipality of Amman and uh, other than the uh, urban micro lungs project, uh, we had a series of workshops on composting uh, and recycling organic waste uh, on a municipality level. Uh, we also had a workshop on native uh, seedling production and reintroducing them to propagation protocols and trying to include native species as, as part of the uh, production plan. Um, and in general, trying to make this shift into ecological practices um, and sensible landscaping that would uh, rely more on utilizing the natural resources and the um, amazing uh, assets that we have as part of the native ecology. So these are major achievements in terms of enabling young people to learn much more about their ecology at school and also potentially changing local government practice when it comes to the landscape. Um, locally, which is fantastic. Now, there has been a lot of international interest in your work in Jordan. You spoke recently at the World Around Summit in, in New York. How applicable is the, the research and, and the practices that you've developed there to being used in other countries? Uh, when we talk about ecological landscaping, whether it's Miwaki Force Creation or permaculture or regenerative agriculture, these are all very place specific. They try to understand, mimic, and accelerate the natural processes of any chosen locality. 
Um, so, for example, in Jordan, we do plenty of research for each site, which, you know, they might differ um, to understand the unique soil structure and characteristics, the water patterns, the potential natural vegetation. And as a methodology, it can be definitely applied to different contexts. Um, and it has been uh, applied uh, and implemented in different parts of the world, uh, from Japan to Europe, Africa, um, the States and many countries in between. Um, so yeah, it has been implemented in the different bioclimatic regions uh, and it was quite successful. Um, so it can definitely uh, be implemented on a wider scale, uh, different localities, as we are basically reading the landscape, uh, its patterns, and uh, trying to um, have a regenerative uh, intervention when we talk about urban landscaping or agriculture or uh, reforestation projects. Um, so it basically uh, mimics what nature would do, but that would be accelerated through human intervention. And so Dima, what are you working on now? Uh, we are working on different uh, research, consultancy and implementation projects in Jordan, uh, Saudi Arabia and the UAE. Um, and we would love to uh, um, be part of this shift towards ecological landscaping and native forest creation and to highlight the power and genius of native ecosystems and to integrate the indigenous plants as part of uh, ecological urbanism and authentic landscaping. Um, and we are also working on different urban rewilding projects, uh, small interventions that would introduce uh, structures for urban wildlife. Uh, it's an umbrella project that uh, includes interventions for uh, avifauna, insects, and other creatures, and aims to bring animals back into the realm of city planning and urban agriculture. Um, so different interventions are focusing mainly on urban biodiversity and urban rewilding. And how do you want your practice to evolve in the future? I mean, it sounds like a constant learning experience, which is very exhilarating and, and very productive. And it also sounds as though you are absolutely up for the challenge of learning much more. So how would you like things to develop? Uh, we would definitely love to uh, have greater impact and research um, more about urban biodiversity and native biodiversity in Jordan. Um, and we hope that we would be pushing the urban rewilding agenda to new frontiers, uh, to have more forests and bring the, uh, the wild nature closer to people and hopefully implement new biophilic projects and carry out more research on urban biodiversity. Um, and to rewrite cities not as purely man-made landscapes, but as rich multi-species ecosystems. And what would success look like for you? What, what are the criteria by which you judge it? Um, you know, for us, we're focusing on grassroots uh, interventions, really small scale. And um, I would shy away from ambitious schemes uh, on larger scale, um, you know, just to have uh, organic evolution um, of what we do uh, and to have greater impact uh, and to have as many people join uh, as possible. 
Um, you know, in, in, in our lifetime, we would only be able to do um, certain uh, number of interventions, but hopefully through documentation and sharing this knowledge with people, we hope it would have a greater effect on the long term and to document the amazing biodiversity that we have in Jordan um, in, in a way that uh, is relevant to uh, urban uh, developers, uh, landscape architects, uh, and, you know, people deciding on, uh, you know, what to plant in their home gardens. And I think, you know, uh, when we look at many of the uh, big problems that we face today, is the accumulation of uh, small wrong decisions. And hopefully the solutions would be the accumulation of small um good decisions uh, that would direct uh, this, you know, bigger wave in the right direction. Dima, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. It's very inspiring and I look forward to following your future adventures in Jordan's burgeoning new woodlands. Um, Thank you to everyone for listening. You can find images of the projects that we've discussed on the Design Emergency Instagram feed at design.emergency and we look forward to welcoming you back to the Design Emergency podcast very soon when we'll be talking to another remarkable force in design now and in the future. Goodbye.